Welcome to the Six Pillars podcast, lifting the lid on the vision to make grain a $6 billion industry by 2030. What skills does the South Australian grain industry need in the future? It's a question central to the building industry pillar of the grains industry blueprint. Jonathan Wilson is manager of the blueprint and he joined me in the GPSA studio to discuss the grains workforce of the future. The research shows that we are going to have a much smaller labour pool in regional areas than we currently do. So that's probably the, the first one. And the second one is with looking at the technology and the uptake of technology, the type of jobs that we're going to need people for in the ag industry, in grain specifically, are going to change. They're not going to be as much physical focused and a lot more in terms of um, data management and machinery maintenance and management than than we currently have. So that's probably the overarching sort of thing. I guess when we look at the labour pool shrinking, I'm already having growers telling me that they're having real trouble in attracting and retaining labour, particularly the seasonal nature of that labour. They need it for seeding and they need it for harvest. I've had growers tell me that they've actually reduced their acreage that they're planting to what they think they can manage themselves because they don't want the red tape, if you like, associated with employing and disposing of people in terms of their unseasonal employment. So they don't want to have that hassle. I had one grower tell me that he wishes he could just get down to farming by himself and he didn't have to manage people because he got into farming to grow grain and farm rather than manage people. So there's a, a frustration there around managing people. When we look at the industry capacity, we want to think that in 2030, the people who are going to be in our industry right now are in high school. So we want to actually progressively build a pathway for those high school students, whether in year 8, 9, 10, 11, for them to see agriculture and grains in particular as their career pathway in South Australia. One of the pathways for us to do that is we want to engage those high school students. So how do we do that? Obviously, we've got a number of schools that are agricultural focused, and that's fantastic. We want to actually increase the the teaching of agriculture across our high school. So it's in the curriculum. It's how then do we engage the teachers to use agriculture as their example. So if you look at chemistry, how then can we get the chemistry teacher to be talking about alpha amylase and wheat? in terms of cereal chemistry and the impact that has in bread. So the kids are actually seeing a connection between their their learning and their outcomes. So they're actually looking at bread and thinking about the chemistry that goes into that bread. Why is it that whenever you're studying economics, you're talking about making a car when you could be doing that around growing a crop? So agriculture actually becomes central to the way that our curriculum is taught in South Australia. That's one pathway. The second thing that we need to look at is then how then do we get the students who are interested in different things seeing agriculture as the natural outlet? So if you're an engineering student and you're interested in robotics, how then do we get you to see ag tech and grain as the pathway that you can actually use that interest? So you're developing career options and part of that is around engaging the career teachers. It's very easy for the career teachers to look at their students and put them into mining or put them into the retail industry. So those are things that are very clear and easy for them to understand, but ag is not seen as the future opportunity, where really it is. If you look at the industries in our state right now, 
a food, wine and agribusiness would be by far the biggest. And of those, grain is the biggest of that sector. So you know, the grains industry is double the size of the wine industry in South Australia, yet we don't get any of that airplay. I saw recently a great example of a robotics company putting their robot into a school for five weeks, moving around schools in New South Wales. Mm-hmm. And the students got to do GPS work with it. They got to program it. They applied a whole range of technologies to a real device that mm-hmm. goes out and actually sprays weeds and digs up things. Look, we've actually got a fantastic opportunity now you know, with this coronavirus pandemonium that we see around us in that coming out of this I would like to think we'll see the average person in the city of Adelaide become a lot more connected as to where their food's coming from. You know, and that comes an opportunity. Where is your food actually coming from? And the core of all of our food is our grain production. So where is it coming from and how then can you be connected to it and have greater influence on it? Because if you think about everything that's political, there's nothing more political in your food supply more political in your oil, more political in your gold, more political in your stocks. We're not talking about lasting until 2025. We're talking about lasting until next week. There is opportunity for us right now in terms of actually connecting people with their food and ultimately connecting students with that opportunity that's going to exist in 2030 whenever they're getting out into the workplace. They've got their high school education, they've got their degree, and they're looking for a job. And I'm saying, look, I'm a robotics engineer. What can I do? You've kind of touched on this, but you haven't really put a label against it. Some of your research into this particular pillar talked about a social license to operate. What did you find were lacking there and what needs to be done? I think it comes down to those community expectations Ultimately, the community will determine what any industry is allowed to do. If you look at live animal export, there's a very strong community expectation around what is acceptable there. And ultimately, in terms of our chemical usage, in terms of our use of the genetic material available, in terms of the way that we're managing our carbon footprint, these are going to become part of our social license to operate grain. So we need to be really careful about how we're managing that, but I think we also need to be really careful about how we're communicating that. You know, I think a lot of growers, in my opinion, quite rightly, think, well, this is so obvious, everyone can see it, and so don't engage in the social media debate. Some growers are very good at it, but ultimately, whenever it comes down to it, that we need to be telling our story, and if, if we as an industry are not telling our story, someone else will. It'll be really important for us as an industry to control the narrative to the extent that we can. Professor Kevin Falter was here last year from the US and it was one of the points that he made time and time and time again was that you've got people who put what they're terming information into the social media space and the people who've got the actual information, the actual facts, don't engage because they think, well, how could anyone believe that? Well, people will believe what they read. So how then do we feed, if you'll accept the pun, how then do we feed that narrative ourselves and not let anyone else do that? From what you're saying there, everybody really has a responsibility. I think it's about engaging in a as respectful a way as possible in terms of entering the debate. But we need to enter the debate because ultimately people will believe, will believe what they want to believe, but we need to at least be able to say our piece. It'll not change everyone's minds, but at least we've had a go. We're trying to get as many people interested in the ag space and the grain space as possible. So how do we do that? In your research, agribusiness acumen, is it something that needs to be developed further in South Australia? Are we lacking here? 
We have the skills in South Australia, some of the stats around it, the reduction in interstate migration that we're seeing come out at the minute is really positive. So we have the skills and people are wanting to live in South Australia, you know, the people who are choosing to live in South Australia. So and we're also seeing, you know, really high migration of really good quality agricultural people into Australia. I'm thinking of a lot of actual South African growers that I know that are coming to Australia in various forms. We're seeing knowledgeable people moving into South Australia. So the business acumen is there. It's how do we attract them into the agricultural space and into the grain space? And we can't attract them in without having jobs. So it comes down to where do we see the jobs of the future? Now, part of my passion for the blueprint, and in fact, one of the things I think is really good about having lots of industries doing blueprints, you know, which is something that's being led by the, the state government, is the increase in the availability of jobs in South Australia. I've got three kids Two years ago, if you'd said, do I see them having their future employment in South Australia? I'd have said no. I'm seeing a much more positive outlook. You know, I'm not saying everything's rosy just yet, but I'm seeing a much more positive outlook in terms of seeing a future, particularly when I'm looking at things like this blueprint, if we can implement it, that there are actually going to be those opportunities. I've got one kid that wants to do robotics. So he's really interested in that. That's, you know, he's been quite passionate about that for a little while. And so I'm, you know, I'm pushing him towards the ag space so we can see that. Jonathan, we've talked quite a bit about academic pathways. What about vocational pathways? There'll be people who will look at this and say, you know what, you didn't talk about the vocational training. And that's going to be really important, the way that we deliver the vocational training. But there'll be the same in every one of the pillars in that. I could talk about these pillars for hours because there's lots of information and still not exhaust what's there. And that's one of the really good things about the blueprint is that in these sessions, we're really only scraping the surface and there's a whole lot more below it. And that's why we need people to be involved. You know, the growers or the industry to call up or send a, a message into us and say, hey, have you thought about da 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 Yeah, I guess until you, the listener, tells us your narrative, you know, and make sure that we know your narrative, then how can we account for it? I'm sitting in my house in Adelaide thinking about it, but I'm still just someone sitting in Adelaide thinking about it. I'm not the guy out in the paddock worrying about the disease that's hitting his weight. I'm not worrying about the agronomics that's affecting their chickpea yield. I'm not worried about the markets that are affecting what the price you're getting for barley. I'm, I'm not doing any of those things. Those are the things growers think about. And equally, I'm not a, a trader worrying about access into Indonesia and the, and the loss of markets to the Russians. Until these people talk to us, I've spoken to a lot of them, but until they talk to us, how how do we know? Jonathan Wilson, Blueprint Manager for the Six Pillars. Thank you for joining me in the GPSO studio. Thanks, mate.